Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. High fly center field. Sounded good. Robert back at the wall and it's gone a home run for Byron Buxton. Over the fence. Outside the park. Say we wanted to give him the day off. Rosario lifts one to right field. It's deep. Mazzara going to the wall, and it is gone a home run. Eddie Rosario goes deep for the 11th time, and it's one to nothing twins. A high fly. Center field. Going back is Robert, and that ball is gone. Sano with a home run on a 3-1 pitch, and it's 5-1. to Listen to this again. This is right here. A high fly. Oh, Good Lord. Baseball point. It's one of the top sounds in all Oof. of sports, gentlemen. Right there. Oof. We will break a Twins game down like it is football, as we do here on a daily basis. Doogie with some scoops and a big wild trade and, and a trend happening with the wild that we will talk about. But let's first thank and uh, tip our caps to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been a partner of uh, many local sports teams here in the Twin Cities. They are one of us in that they were founded and maintained headquarters in Owatonna, Minnesota. And they are here to help you business owners out there through a difficult year, whether it's a pandemic year or not. It just really helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind. Find out more about the resources you can get into as a business owner at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. A high fly. Center field. Right back is center field. Sounded good. Oh, listen to those. Bam. Oh. Bam. Bam. Good Lord. Oh. All right, the Twins uh, The twins avoid disaster. I thought. I kind of thought they were going to get swept there for a second. It really wouldn't have mattered because, like, the seeding the, the, the is really irrelevant because they're going to play in a bubble in round two. Like, you don't want to go on the road necessarily because they're playing so well in the first round. So, gentlemen, as we break baseball down like football. Football. Can we start with a poll that I put out early this morning yeah. on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey? That's right. I said, so as of yesterday, and I haven't checked this morning, but as of yesterday, the matchup in the first round for the Twins, they would have been the four seed, and the Yankees would be the five seed. Three-game series. 13 more Target runs last Field. night, buddy boy. 
Yankees scored 13, 13 last night. 13 more last night. Yeah. yeah, the Bombers are back. Judge is back. How many are, is is uh, Stanton back yet or just Judge? Just Judge. He got activated yesterday. Okay. Judge so, got activated So they're scoring yesterday. 13 runs. They're slow, they, they're they're slow rolling their superstars yeah, back out, cooker. okay? Yep. And I said, uh, so uh, 1,300 votes so far here in the last hour and a half or so. I said, Twins fans, who do you want in the first round of the playoffs? Two options. The Yankees or anybody but the Yankees? <laughs> I voted. 61% say anybody but the Yankees, and you are cowards. I, I vote. I cowards. voted. I voted. What did you vote? I don't want the Yankees. Coward. Coward. I don't want the You know what? I'm the same dummy that said last year, Twins and five. I feel it. I feel it. They got swept again. I here's. What are you afraid of? Okay. You've already, you, it's not what I'm afraid of. It's the plan. Here's the plan. <laughs> End the 16-game. Oh, Playoff losing streak, which, by the way, ties the Chicago Blackhawks from, I think, 1977-ish or so, like like a, a stretch of 75 to 77, for the longest North American postseason playoff losing streak. End that against somebody else, and then play the Yankees. No. what? All right, what if? All right, here, here's a guarantee. You guys are yeah, I'm gonna high. Flip it. Sing it, Declan. Let, let me flip it. No, sing what it. If, what if you are guaranteed, just guaranteed a one playoff win, but you aren't guaranteed to win the series? Would you still want to play the Yankees? You're guaranteed you're going to win a game. I can't guarantee you're going to win a series, but you're playing the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Are you going to take it? Because I'm at the point where it's been 15 years since yep. I've seen the Twins win a playoff game. Over half my life has been playoff losses. Okay. So I want the Yankees, and but first off, I just want a GD win. Right, that's I what I'm saying. I want a playoff win, and I don't care that it's no. the Yankees or not. That, but Give that's me what, a playoff that's win. Right, okay, that's so you're, that's oh, what I'm so saying. So you guys, side, you guys are with each other. Uh, a little one. bit. I, no, I don't, you guys get, get out of here. I, no, are, no, I want the Yankees. Listen, Phil. Phil I'm not scared of them. No, what Declan's saying makes, is, I want the Yankees, I, but I'm not really. This no, makes, no, wait, 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 wait. I want a playoff win. That's all I want. This makes perfect sense. Hold on a second here. One. Hold on a second here. I'll explain this as simply as possible. It's a three-course meal, Okay. Give me, give me somebody else to start with for the appetizer. All right, because if I eat, if I try and eat the Yankee Stanton plate, it's going to poison me. All right, okay, James so, Winston. Yeah, I don't That's want that. Problem. Yeah, I don't want that. I want the appetizer to be another team in which I can end my postseason losing streak, in which I can win a couple games and advance. And then eventually, you're probably going to have to play them. I don't want them no, in the first this round. This is this is tin cup. We are Kevin Costner. Like we are Kevin Costner in the middle of the fairway. Give me another ball. You're a smart guy. Give me another ball. You're a, yeah, you know what? Give me another. You're ball. a smart guy. Do you remember last year? You, me, Rami, Twins are going to win this series. Everyone, yeah. I, yeah. I don't. Let's listen. The difference here is the 61 percent of you cowards out there, <laughs> cowards. and Judd Zolgad, smart people, who said that they want to avoid the Yankees in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You are living with baseball fear. And what I'm saying is, Hell yeah. for 16 years, I'm numb to it at this point. The only way I want this story to proceed is if they go okay. through the Yankees. Dick Bramer said it best last night. Dick Bramer on the broadcast, him and Justin Morneau were talking about, you know, right now, they showed the bracket, the Twins would play the Yankees in the first round. Yeah, you and Dick. Which is not shocking. And, hmm. uh, and Dick Bramer said, you and, Richard. and it, it pumped me up much like uh, that point in Rocky II where, where Rocky's like, you know, Mika, you know I, I, I can stop messing with Creed if you want, you know, and. Actually, he said it to Adrian. Adrian says, no, I want you to do one thing for me. Come here. Yeah. Win. All right. And then the training montage hits. <laughs> Dick Bramer says on the broadcast last night, yeah, I know a lot of people are sweating the Yankees, but I want the Twins to go through the Yankees, not around the Yankees. Right. But That's how I feel. Right. But you're eventually, I would rather actually do that 
in a later round series because I don't want a best of three with Garrett Cole starting game one because I'm going to lose that game the Yankee, almost certainly. And the Yankees don't want a best of three with Kent and Maeda yeah, starting see, game one Yeah, this is your problem. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garrett Cole sweating right, okay, right now. Okay, but then the Twins have also been able to hit Shane Bieber. Yeah, the Twins just beat Shane Bieber. If you can beat okay. Shane Bieber, you can beat Garrett Cole. You guys. All right. I'll the, rephrase the, the, this. The Twins knocked Luis Severino out of the first inning of a playoff game three years yeah, ago. Yeah, and what happened? Irvin Santana had not talk about that. Okay, so I'll rephrase By this. By the way, Garrett Cole, is, he's, he's not untouchable yeah, this year. Oh, no, no, no. Garrett Cole was struggling until a couple starts ago when Garrett Cole decided to bleep this and shoved and was, look at Garrett Cole's game-by-game log and his recent activity. Yeah, he's given up a couple runs this month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, I'll rephrase. September 7th. I'll rephrase this one. Saying that, that you're numb to the pain that the Yankees have caused you as a Twins follower reminds me, and I've never done hard drugs, but of so, of someone who does heroin. You're numb to it, so you're going to OD, okay? You don't need to do that. You don't. Go through, go through recovery. Look, I'm your counselor, man. Go through recovery. I did this last year, made the mistake, and now and now I've gone through recovery, and I'm a counselor. Let me help you. You're numb. You're numb because you don't feel They're anymore. They're just a baseball team, man. They are just a yeah. baseball team. Yeah, and that and that that's all they heroin's are. not spiked so with we're, something. We're on hallucinogenics, and you've been through the hard stuff. You've been through recovery, and you're trying to get us back on the right yes, path here. Is that what's going exactly on? Exactly okay. right. Got it. Got it's it. day to day. It's also worth noting, all right? It is worth noting. Yeah. The last time the Twins got swept by the Yankees, just, what, 11 months ago, so just a year ago, they didn't have Mike Pineda. They didn't have Kenta Maeda. They didn't have as good of a bullpen. Buxton was out. Taylor Rogers was better last year than this year, but the overall Twins bullpen is better now than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Byron Buxton was not playing in that series. Josh Donaldson was not playing we talked in that about, series. And we talked about all those things about Nelson Cruz is going to make the, the difference. I'm just saying don't have the Yankees for the appetizer. So what is your per- so your perfect plan is to like well you're going to probably but, but have to you're go not, through you're them. not guaranteed to beat anyone in the three game series like no luck, I know I'm trying, to up, a- I'm trying to up my chances here but the Yankees I, I would argue right now that the, uh, unless the Yankees unless the Yankees full and now they've been hot the last week so I'll give them that they've been hot the last week mm-hmm. I don't think the Yankees are as good as they were a year ago. And I think the Twins are better in a lot of ways, even though record-wise the Twins are on pace for like 97 wins. Last year they were 103. Yep. I think you can make a case that the Twins, in a lot of places, rotation for sure. Last year they had to start Randy Dobnak at Yankee Stadium because they had no choice. They had like two starting pitchers right. and Randy Dobnak. All right, you're not following They my just counseling. sent Randy you know Dobnak to the minor leagues first. yesterday. You've got to want to help you first. They sent I can't, to the minors. Look at what the Yankees have done of late. You've got to want to help you. And until you do, I can't help you. Inject the Yankees yeah, into my exactly veins right. every single year. You go year back out the, to your Yankee alley, your Yankee street corner, and you do what you but, need to but, do. Okay, one final point on this, and we can talk about other things too, but one final point on this is, I'm not just trying to like be bravado here. I, what I'm saying is the way this story has played out over 16 years, and and I'll I'll steal a phrase from Pedro Martinez: the way that the Yankees are the Twins' daddy for a decade and a half. There are kids graduating from high school that only know Twins losing to Yankees in the playoffs, and then like the one time that they lost to the A's in 2006 or whatever it was. It's my yeah. life. The way that it has played out, the only fitting end. Mm-hmm. Whether it's this year, next year, in ten years from now, is to go through the Yankees, and you might I ha- want them to go through the Yankees. Well, yeah, and you might get your wish. What I, I keep telling you is, don't do it as the appetizer. 
They've scored 33 runs against Toronto in the past two games, by the way. And Garrett Cole won again oh, last night. Sounds like they're wasting all their runs on the wrong team. <laughs> that's not how the Yankees work. Football. My good man, that's not how the box bombers work. All right, Jake Odorizzi made his return last night, and uh, he was mostly sharp until his fingers started bleeding all over the place, and they had to pull him from the game. This is what he said. Everything has kind of been fluky. You know, I, I haven't had any arm troubles, anything like that. My stuff when I pitched is normal. It's just trying to get into a groove, which I think has been borderline impossible for me this year. So, yes, it's frustrating, but, you know, four starts doesn't determine who I am. I think, I, you know, I honestly don't know what to tell you. It's It's been tough. It's been crappy. But you know, when I've been out there, I feel like I've been, especially today, like I felt the best I felt this year. Got swings and misses, everything that I could have wanted. And to have something that I've never had happen to me before is just – you know, one more kick to the groin. If it wasn't a, if it was a blister, I would say that's a, like Clayton uh, uh, Walker Bueller has been dealing with a blister with with the Dodgers. Like blisters can linger for weeks for pitchers. It didn't look like a blister though; it looked like a cut of some kind. Yeah, right? it was, like a nail. Or it something? was according to between what Rocco and Odorizzi said on the post game Zoom. It was about three different things. It was a normal na- uh, bleeding around a nail that he ordinarily has in spring training, and it calluses up. But because he didn't have spring training and it, mm. it hasn't calloused up, so that was the thing I think that was bleeding the most at first, and it looked bad. But Odorizzi could pitch through it. Okay, then there's a blister. There's a blister cut situation that is. Super disgusting. On the middle finger of his right uh, hand, which is his uh, obviously pitching hand. And what happened was, so it's in the pad in the middle of his finger there, okay? Okay. It literally burst open. And so I don't know if, if it had started as a blister or what, but all of the stuff behind it started to come out. And they couldn't really control it. And so now it depends, according to what both of those guys said, this depends now on how quickly they can get this to heal, it's not really a callus thing because it, it it burst, so it's just a it's like a flat out cut that's going to linger. But yeah. it's going to no li- way that's going to be cut. fixed in a week, right? Exactly. And so my guess my guess is he he misses at least minimum one start, but that's the problem. So the so the bleeding by the fingernail is actually not that big a deal. It looked bad, but I think it was his last pitch. I think his last pitch was thrown to Makata, if I'm not mistaken, before Stacia came in, and that's when that burst open and they came out to check him out and he tried to throw a couple pitches and to what you just said he couldn't do it uh so he's almost certainly not going to be ready in time for a three-game series that would start in like what nine days from now the 20 or something 10 days from now i don't know yeah i just don't think i almost sure think sound like it probably makes sense at this point to just stick with the maeda Pineda, barrios and rich hill can be in there if you need to handcuff to somebody and then Cross your fingers, hope that you get through the Yankees or whoever into the five-game series, and then he could be available. I, I mean, I'm not going to play doctor here, but but blisters and pitchers, those aren't just like usually things that heal up overnight, and then you're back the next week. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, those are things that linger. So, um, yeah, he looked fine otherwise last night. And the bullpen, by the way, came in and retired everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, what is it, 13 straight batters or 15 or something so to like end the game? It was like 18. Just a, a perfect performance by the bullpen last night, but let's say let's say Odorizzi does kick this thing in a in a week from now, and he's and he's ready sometime around when the playoffs start. Mm-hmm. How does his emergence alter what you guys think about their playoff rotation, either in a three game series or a five game series if they advance? Dex, well, I still think he's going to be able to start a playoff game, and I think you honestly need him to start a playoff game. Uh, I, I don't after Maeda and Barrios, you are 
and, and Pinade has been fine. I want another bullet in that in that rotation. And basically, Rich Hill, I don't trust to make a start and or I don't trust him to go over three innings. And Randy Dobnek looks like he's pretty much pitched his way out of being in the postseason rotation in any situation. Um, you need Odorizzi, basically, is what I'm trying to say. You you have, you have you know what you got in Maeda and Barrios, I think, at this point. Even when Barrios is maybe ineffective, he's still reliable and he's going to be probably your steadier option. So you need Jake Odorizzi to come back and, and be ready to go. I think so. I, maybe maybe this is a hot take. I think Rich Hill has one playoff gem in him. Mm-hmm. And by playoff gem, I mean like five innings in a run or something. Like I, I think he's got one in him for sure. But I wouldn't necessarily lean on that in the first round. You, no. you, can, you might have no choice in the second round. Because if you get to the second round, there are no off days. And so you need five, you either need five different starting pitchers or a willingness to bullpen one of the games and then have those guys unavailable the next day yeah. or put a guy out there maybe in game five or game four on short rest. So it's going to be more about depth of rotation in the postseason um, than probably top heaviness mm-hmm. more than any other year. It'll be really interesting in that second round. I feel good about getting through the first round without Odo. Uh, after that, if, if you are serious about making a World Series run, I think you have to have him in some in some form. Like I just don't see going through the uh, division series and the ALCS. I don't see how you get through there with the pitching staff that you currently have without him. Because starting wise, and, and the Twins look, the Twins have never shown with this administration a willingness to take huge chances and gambles and bring guys back and if you brought Barrios back too quickly I think it probably blows up so so that first round I actually feel pretty good like right now I feel pretty good about that one Um, but if you get past that one and now you are playing five games and then potentially seven games and you're telling me that that, uh, Jake is not available I'm starting to feel like it's going to take um, it's going to take not a miracle, but you're asking a lot. All right, actually, back to the Yankees thing for a second. Off of this football, back to the Yankees thing. The Yankees have a two man starting rotation. Basically, they've got Garrett Cole, who's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and they've got Masahiro Tanaka, who's really good. He's a good, solid number two starter mm-hmm. who can go deep in games. Uh, he hasn't gone all that deep into games this year, but he's, he's this is a, this is a good year for Tanaka. After that, you've got Jordan Montgomery, who's just kind of a guy. You've got J.A. Happ, who's like pushing 40 and has bounced around to half the league. He's fine. Like, he's not he's not terrible. These aren't, these aren't like, you know, minor league guys that you're turning Montgomery's to. Montgomery's got good stuff. I do like yeah, him. And, those, and he's fine. But like Montgomery this season, for instance, uh, he has a, an ERA near five in, in eight starts. And I don't think you would look at him and say, oh, man, if the Twins lineup has to face... Jordan Montgomery, they're going to be in for a long night. Like his career ERA is over four. He hasn't been effective over the long haul since 2017. And so he's just kind of a work in progress. So basically, it's Garrett Cole and Masahiro Tanaka. Mm-hmm. So where I will agree with Judd's Yankees point is <laughs> I want I want the Yankees, but the Twins would actually have a much greater advantage against the Yankees in a five game series, yes. assuming that Odorizzi can pitch, than in a three game series. Deeper, yes. So I will agree with you on that. Because if you start to lay out the rotations in a five-game series, and the Twins are, you know, the Twins don't have anyone as good as Garrett Cole, mm-hmm. but the Twin, but Maeda when he's on is as good as anybody. So you can you can put that feather in your cap. So you have Maeda, Pineda, Brios, all three guys who can be lights out, and then you got Odorizzi, who was one of the best pitchers in the American League last year. If he comes back from the blister thing, and let's say Rich Hill is available for like a game four or a game five, sure, and the Yankees are digging into. 
Devi Garcia, 21-year-old, like decent prospect, but has never pitched on a stage. I don't want to be done in two games. It's just it, like, it, it, I don't it, want those two and bang, I'm just done. A five-game series against the Yankees would be a bigger advantage for the Twins than a three-game series. So I agree with you on that. Okay, I'm fine there. Cool. Football. I'm fine. I mean, you're going to probably have to play them. I'm not trying to get you around playing them completely. I'm just saying I don't want them in the first round because we we talked so many times last year about, well, with Cruz there now, it's going to make a difference, blah, blah, blah. They went and got swept, all right? So... I'd like the Twins to get cooking a little bit. I think there's a lot of teams in that first round that they certainly can win two games against. Uh, get going a little bit, get your confidence, and to your point, then get the Yankees in either the second or third round where the series is longer, get into their pitching more, and and then if Odo's back, I think you feel decent. But how much better is it, too, the fact if you are the home seed in the wild card round, so you would host them for all three possible games, Correct. And then if you even have to play them in a DS, you're in a bubble. So basically, you never have to go to Yankee Stadium. So I don't, again, this is just me. Like, this is just me. But I I don't think that matters at all. Like, this year, there's no fans. So I get that what I think matters, like, it's different if the Twins have to go into New York and maybe there's still some mystique or something. I don't know. But there's no fans. All right. No one's booing you. It's just an, an empty structure. So what you're what you're saying on the surface is exactly what I thought and it makes perfect sense. But if you look at the success that Twins have had at Target Field, here's the difference that I never thought about and and in the bubble it's a good thing because everyone is going to be uncomfortable. The amount of comfort the team that it feels like the Twins have at home just because of the yeah. environment the and, record's and, amazing. and going home to your house and sleeping in your bed I really think, and this is debatable about how much criticism players might deserve about this or they don't. I really think this whole thing, uh, especially post-Cardinals COVID, when they told players, go to the hotel, go to your room, shut the door, room service, do something, but don't leave. I really think that that takes a toll on some teams and players. And and when you look at the success that the Twins have had at home and their home record versus their road record. There's no denying there's something there. I agree with that. So it let's is keep, weird. So, but but the neutral site, the bubble is great because everybody is equally as uncomfortable. Yeah. Which, if I'm the Twins and I'm playing the Yankees, I'm cool with. So here I, I did pull up the standings here. So with just over a week to go in the regular season, whether nine games left or something, so like week week and a half to go. The Twins, after last night's win over the White Sox, are three games back of the White Sox in the loss column. I think it's like two and a half games back overall in the division, something like that. Uh, so it's uh, even if they win, it's unlikely that the Twins would catch the White Sox unless the White Sox really tank after the series is over. So the Twins are kind of locked in there, and the Twins are far enough ahead of Cleveland, who's lost every game since that series now. They've lost seven games in a row. Wow. The, twin, the Twins are far enough ahead of Cleveland, where the Twins are pretty solidified in that second, uh, the second seed in the division. This is very confusing, which means that they that they are now, as the second place team in your division, you are now being seeded between four, five, and six with the other number two teams in those divisions. So you're competing with the Yankees and right now the Astros for seeding. Well, the Twins are six games up on the Astros, so that there's no worry there. So it's basically the Twins and the Yankees jockeying for the four and the five seed right now. Unless the Yankees were to leapfrog the Rays, which right. probably isn't going to happen. They're three games back of the Rays. 
or if Toronto re-leapfrogs the Yankees. And I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen either because I think the Yankees are catching fire and they're just better. So anyways, the Twins are one game up on the Yankees in the loss column. They are two games up overall. The difference between where that four or five game, uh, three game series would be played. So if the Yankees catch the Twins and both remain in second place, then that series would be played at Yankee Stadium instead of at the comfort of Target yeah, Field. So I, I that don't like that, that does one. matter to some like extent. It doesn't matter as much as other years, though, where there's fans just drooling all over you and yelling and stuff. I think there's a better chance that the Yankees rally and leapfrog the Rays right now than there is that Toronto gets back above the Yankees, don't you? Like, it's going to take a lot for them to do that, but they are so damn hot. I don't think the Yankees are catching them. I, I really don't. The Rays are so good and just so steady and consistent. It would take the Rays. Do they play each other? That would be the only thing. If they play each other, I'll check that out real quick here just for fun. Then we'll get into this wild, uh, the wild trade that was made yesterday in a scoop with Doogie. Cleveland skid, by the way, is remarkable because it started with three consecutive losses at home to the Royals. Wow. Like, I get the twins sweeping you at Target Field, and yeah. you've gone to Wrigley now and lost uh, two run, one-run games back-to-back. I totally get that, right? How did you lose three consecutive to the Roy- I mean, it's baseball, yeah. so it's weird, but... The, Yan- the Yankees play one more against Toronto today. They play three at Boston, which they, they should win a couple of those. I could win in Boston right now by myself. Four at Toronto slash Buffalo. I could go play the Red Sox and win by myself. And three against Miami. Playing so- every position. They Batting don't, one through they, nine. They don't pitching. play the Rays. In fact, they've lost almost every game they've played against the Rays this season. They've only beat the Rays twice. So, to sum it all up, Twins and Yankees are headed for a matchup, it looks like, in the first round. It would be better, to Judd's point, if that matchup took place later in the playoffs because the Twins have a deeper pitching rotation. But I hope the, I hope the line goes through the Yankees either way. All right, uh, also yesterday. You, you know, if I don't him. make moves... Nothing will happen. We'll just stay the same, and that's not the idea. So, I mean, I'll just I'll I'll try to make the right moves at the right time. I'm not going to say like I'll be super aggressive or super passive. You know, we're we're just going to try to improve our team. And when those deals come, you know, it doesn't matter what what time it comes at. We'll we'll do it. Like I said, sometimes we just need to we need to mix things up. We need to to find a a, a different pathway to to success and. Um, you know, that that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, you know, build a better team. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, take uh, some drastic measures. That was Billy Guerin discussing uh, Marcus. Is it Johansson? That's how we're you pronouncing it. it. Marcus Johansson, former first-round pick, by the way, by uh, the Washington Capitals 11 years ago. And really, you guys go ahead and, and take the ball here and run with it. But this, to me, seems like Eric Stahl is 35, 36 years old. On the way down, Johansson is 29, 30 years old, coming over from Buffalo now. He's not going to be a guy that lights the lamp 25 or 30 times, but like he's it. just younger, and this team needs to get younger. So what are you? what's your evaluation of Billy Guerin pulling the trigger on an Eric Stahl trade? My first thought is that um, the team needs to get younger and, and faster. Clearly the style that they want to play now is faster, and, and Eric Stahl is probably truly a better um, point scorer than Johansson is. That being said, he's about as fast as my dog. So the the problem is he was aging. And look, I mean, the mistake that was made here is very, very clear cut. Like, this is not a difficult thing to talk about. 
Two years back at the deadline, Eric Stahl was on his way to the Boston Bruins for at least a high draft pick, okay, and maybe more. And Eric Stahl at that point in time for a playoff run for the Bruins Mm -hmm. was considered valuable. And if I'm not mistaken, if you go back and look, the guy that got traded when Stahl didn't get traded from the Devils Mm -hmm. to the Bruins was a guy by the name of Marcus Johansson, okay? (laughs) So so not only did Paul Fenton, who, by the way, was in the process, congratulations, Paul, no people skills, but I like this, of blowing up the roster. So it he had traded, let's go through it, boys, Coyle. Spurgeon. Neither, no, he didn't trade Spurgeon. <laughs> trade Niederreiter. Who oh, else did he trade? Over to Grandland. Yeah, exactly right. So he's in the process of blowing this thing up, which I applauded. And um, I don't know. There's conflicting reports about how this transpired. But Eric Stahl somehow, instead of being traded, ended up with a two-year contract extension, which made no sense. So I think, Dex, the heart of this trade, though, before we get into what Johansson can bring with his speed possibly and where he can fit in and is he a center or wing, I think the heart of this trade comes from Bill Guerin's desire to continue what Paul Fenton started and, and Guerin traded Zucker, obviously, in February which is you watch this team, and it doesn't take a genius. Like, I can see this. It it's not, it wasn't a good locker room. It didn't work. The chemistry d- did not work. And that's not an indictment of these guys as being bad people, okay? But, like, sometimes if you're around a group of people enough, you say to yourself, well, this really works well. These guys really get along. This is fantastic. And sometimes you say it, it's not. So the starting point for me of the stall trade is, and Garen's talked about, culture. Mm-hmm. He's talked about this at the end of the year. He's going to make some change for change's sake to change the dynamic of this team. Because, Phil, how long have you heard this? They want their younger players to emerge and lead this team. Like, we've been talking about this on this show on yeah. incarnations of the show for how long? It becomes a lot more difficult when the old guard gets into the 34, 35, 36 range. And it, it, it never feels like there's been the empowerment of young guys to actually take the torch and go forward. And I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in that room on a daily. But I mean, basis, we've talked but, about that a ton yeah. through the years. Yeah. So if, it makes sense. Just get a bunch of get a bunch of guys who aren't 37 and see what happens first as a as a step. And I don't think Eric Stahl was a bad apple in that locker room um, at all. In fact, he seems pretty revered, and he's a great guy. And th- it was more the fact that you want to change up the comfortability. And, and Garen, that's what he wants. He wants other players to take a step and. And that's important for this team. They need younger guys and other people to change the status quo. And I think this quote honestly says it. This is the move we made, and you know you have to move on and and uh, and adjust. We have some younger guys in our room that that need to step up and and uh, take more of a leadership role. Uh, you know, I think Eric was a guy is a guy that they relied on heavily for that, but um, he's not going to be there. So who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? I love that. What are the other moves you think that they're going to make before the puck drops for the next season? I can't wait for these moves. Uh, I think Dubnik is gone for sure. I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not going to be surprised. Speculation. If Staylock is gone. And I know he's a local kid and he's popular and he's a nice player. But Bill Guerin, again, is making change for change's sake. He is ba- he is basically he basically called a person out to to look at a potential remodel of his house and this person's like well you can do the bedroom billy but why don't we do the whole house and bill garen's <laughs> like you know what that's, that's a, a good idea. the kitchen man these floors suck we've got a tile sale the, the countertops <laughs> i really don't like those man the, the the guest room is sort of dark let's lighten things up so 
I think Dex, Dubnik's gone for sure. Mm-hmm. Stalock could be, be gone. I see no way around trading Dumba to get a top-line center, which they don't have, and Johansson is not going to be. He, I think he can be a top-six guy. I might be a, a two. I think Johansson, in, in Garen's mind, right or wrong, uh, straight-up replaces Stahl, and Stahl was a two. Um, so I think it starts with those, and I also think that they are going to get Zach Breezy to happily waive his no-move clause. This offseason. This offseason, and and if they can, because this is going to be a financial dilemma for a team, and the question is going to come back, will the Wild be willing to pick up some of the contract, which they might be? Um, I think they're going to try hard, and I think both sides are going to agree that it's for the best that Zach Preezy gets moved. So you're let, let's let's also go down to like the the, the the actual pillars of the house that you're remodeling because you're going to keep the pillars, and 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 we yes, need sir. to know who those pillars are. Okay. So Brodine's a pillar, Fiala's a pillar, Kaprizov is a pillar. Who are the other pillars? I mean, there's Dumba trade rumors. Mm-hmm. Spurgeon is one of the pillars. But he's thirty, but he just signed a seven year contract. A he's year a pillar. Ago. He ain't going That's anywhere. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I would say those are your core pillars, and then guys like Marcus Foligno, who's probably up for another extension. He's a, I wouldn't say he's a locked-in a pillar, but he's he's definitely part of the process that you want to build around. And then the young kids like Cunning, Greenway, and Eck. One of those guys could be moved with Dumba to get the thing you want, but I wouldn't be shocked if none of them go anywhere. What is the, what's the rush to trade Dumba? He, is, is this going to be something that they regret? It, it might be. He is. It might be. He is all you have left to get a player at a position that you need, that you want. And I'll say it again: if you are going to talk about a potential number one center who can come to training camp as the guy there, Phil. It, it's the equivalent of trying to trade for an upper echelon starting pitcher in baseball. And so because you already have, you're dealing from a position of strength because you already have Brodine under contract and Correct. you feel good about yep. Spurgeon, um, that it's it's a more expendable position in trade chip. I would just worry that it's another Brent Burns situation where for the next 10 years you're going to be like, boy, it'd be kind of nice to have Brent Burns on this team. Well, you can't he, be... I. You can't be wrong. And, and if, you, if you trade, if you make a trade that involves Dumba and, and you know... Let's expand the trade potentially. Dumba, um, Greenway draft pick. And you can't be wrong there in the sense that if you take that to market and you don't get exactly what you want back, you don't make the trade. Yeah. You just don't. And I, I think the re- the reason that Brodeen was extended, which was in talks, is because Brodeen could get you something worthwhile, but not what you were looking for. So Garen said that the GMs were calling the Wild about, about Brodeen. And I'm sure Garen said, well, okay, I'll give you Brodeen, but I need this ex-center back. And team said no. So they extended Jonas Brodeen, looked at Matt Dumba and said, okay, Dumba's going to be the one that probably gets more of what we're trying to get. So they locked up Brodeen. They understood that, yes, we could risk and get rid of Dumba uh, for this offensive player who's very dynamic, but we know what we're getting out of Brodeen. And Bro- and Dumba's going to be the cat that probably gets you what you're trying to get. So I, you know, you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, but it would it feels like if you're trying to leverage Dumba and then like some secondary piece, let's say it's Dumba and Eck or whatever, and Dumba is like the the sales pitch with Dumba is, hey, you guys are ready to win a Stanley Cup right now, and this is one of the final pieces to your puzzle. A guy who's in his prime, he's an offensive minded defenseman, and so. Uh, this is going to be one of the last pieces to your puzzle. We are looking for a franchise-changing top-line center. Well, no team that's ready to win right now is going to trade a an NHL-ready top-line center. So you're Correct. essentially trading him for a guy that's 19 years old, 20 years old, that hasn't burst out yet or hasn't doesn't have the ability to get into 
a team's top six forwards or something. Like you're taking a flyer that we're going to grab that guy because we think in two years he can be a top line center, but there's always going to be a risk, right? The analogy that I made with Judd is it's it's similar to what they're doing with getting guys like Bugstead and Johansson and now whoever the next center could be. It's kind of similar to what the Twins were doing with starting pitching this last offseason. Like they're identifying guys that you're trying to find lightning in a bottle and there could be something more to their games. So like Bugstead and Johansson, are they number one centers? I don't think so. But you're giving yourself much more better depth down the middle. And you have to find someone that is worthwhile, but I don't, I don't think you should be afraid to make the trade. And yes, you're probably right. You have to get someone who's probably buried and or is a high-regarded prospect because no team is going to give up an ace or, or a center. Yeah, no, that, so, that's true. My two cents on Bukestad, and take this for what it's worth, because you guys know a hundred times more about hockey and prospects and players. Like Whenever I see a guy that's like 27 or 28 years old, and he's been in the league, and this can be any sport, really, and he's been in the league for, you know, seven, eight years. It's like, kind of is who he is. Like, if that guy hasn't scored 25 or 30 goals yet, yeah. like, why would he? Like, He's a third or fourth line guy. Okay. That's, I, I, th- so that's just, it's a depth move. They, they got him for nothing. It, they it's, did. It's a conditional seventh round pick tied to games played and points, which he gets hurt a ton. So ba- basically, if he comes here and scores 10 points, it costs you nothing. And they're taking in Pittsburgh half his salary. Yeah. So the to go back, Phil, to your point too. So the question here becomes then, if you're Garen, I think what you do is take your package to the market of Dumba and let's say Greenway and a draft pick, and you shop that. And if you can get back what you want, that's fine. The thing that Dumba has that that is probably it's not as valuable as a top center, but it, It's a commodity in the league right now. He's a right-handed shot defenseman who are hard to find, good ones. He's got a howitzer for a slap shot. And to circle back to what you said at the beginning of this segment, there are Brent Burns comparisons, and those guys are hard to find too. Like those guys are – those guys will make coaches tear their hair out because they'll screw up defensively, but my God, they'll score points as well. Um, So so it's – so teams that want – Dumba and are dealing from a position of of possible depth at center and aren't dealing from a, a position of depth with right-handed shot defensemen might be tempted to make a somewhat risky trade from their end because they look at him as a potential sort of final piece to what they're trying to do as well. Reckless speculation. I love it. So this is man, this is going to be a super fun two or three month stretch to follow wild moves. And the the Timberwolves have the number one overall pick. So even though our winter sports teams have been kind of meh the last, well, in the, in the Wolves case, the last fifteen years, um, there's going to be some moving and shaking. And you have, ag- I love that you have aggressive general managers yes. overseeing both these teams that are like not making. Any secret about the fact that they want to make big trades, big moves, and look to acquire franchise-changing players. So, how much fun happens. is that to just have GMs and executives who will make moves and a ton of moves? Reckless speculation. Yeah. Here's the key. Go get it. Here's the key. I love new GMs because of this. They're in love with with for the most part nobody. Yeah, they want their own guys in, and they are <laughs> and they are desperate to hold estate sales. They feel obligated to hold the estate sales. But isn't it great? Yeah, like there's nothing worse than man. I got a GM who's been here for six years. Yeah, I drafted Charlie Coyle, or, or I <laughs> traded for Charlie Coyle. I ain't ever trading Charlie Coyle. Nah, trade him. Exactly. 
So we'll see. We'll see. Reckless speculation. We'll get our friend Doogie in here in just a second to talk about uh, inside information surrounding our favorite local sports teams. But a quick shout out here. Starting today, you can register on the Score North app for free. We are giving away a Corona Seltzer Ultimate Home Tailgate Party. That's right. I said a Ultimate Home Tailgate Party. It's all my favorite things. Here's what you get if you win, okay? And we'll, I'll tell you how to enter in just a second. A 65-inch TCL TV with a sound bar. So basically a, an amazing TV that covers your wall. $200 worth of Grunhofer's meats. And $100 to MGM Wine and Spirits, where you could, in theory, grab some Corona hard seltzer. Here's how you enter. Download the Score North app if you don't have it already. Or just open it if you already have it downloaded. It's free in the Apple and Google Play stores. Register your name and email if you haven't already, and then enter through Listener Rewards. There's just a little little tab in the top right, Listener Rewards, and boom, it's that easy. You are entered to win a Corona Hard Seltzer Ultimate Home Tailgate Party. Football. All right, uh, we got our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. You can find him kstp.com and uh, and Channel 5 News and also in audio form if you want to listen to that weekly scoop podcast, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com and give Doogie a five-star rating and a positive review. That's where you find your inside information about your favorite local sports teams. And Doogie, you just got off a Zoom call with Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders, so uh, why don't you empty your Timberwolves scoop bag for us? This is a voluntary minicamp. Good morning, by the way. Hi, Phil. Hi, Judd. Hi, Declan. This is a voluntary minicamp. So attendance is not mandatory. For example, Juancho Hernan Gomez, restricted free agent, committed to filming a movie overseas. I don't know what kind of movie, but he is now (laughs) overseas. He's committed to filming a movie right now before he knew about the dates of of this voluntary minicamp. So Juancho's been in town a majority of the summer. He's worked out at Mayo Clinic Square. I know he's worked out with Jake Lehman with a local trainer by the name of Reed Osi. So Hernan Gomez has been in town a lot, but he left a couple weeks ago, and he's not back now. So he won't be here for the next few weeks for this voluntary minicamp. Otherwise, just about every guy's in town outside of Omari Spellman. Remember, he was a throw-in in the Wiggins-Russell trade in February. Former first-round pick. He was a good collegiate player at Villanova. He had the invitation, I'm told, if he wanted to come because he is under contract. But both sides are working to find him a new home. There's a moratorium on on any transactions right now. But as soon as the NBA lifts that, look for Omari Spellman to have a new home. Otherwise, every guy will be here at different points over the next three weeks. They will ramp up next week. Next week is when they'll play five-on-five. Guys will actually quarantine for for a tiny period before they ramp up the five-on-five competition. But they're getting tested daily. It's a mini bubble over there. They're staying over at the Lowe's Hotel. They walk over to Mayo Clinic's. So all the guys are in this quote-unquote bubble for the next three weeks getting in rock-solid work. It's not a training camp. Ryan Saunders stressed that this morning. This is not a training camp, but they should be able to get a lot of good, solid work in over the next So Eric Stahl traded by the Wild to Buffalo yesterday. Bill Guerin uh, talked about at the end of the season on his Zoom call making changes and changing the culture and it sounded like a guy intent on making a lot of changes. What are you hearing might be next for a team that's probably far from done? I mean, it's Dumber or Parisi. I'm sure you and Declan have talked about it endlessly. I mean, they're going to revisit the Parisi to the Islanders chatter here as soon as New York is done, which might be as, as soon as tonight. By the way, my my neighbor, Anders Lee, with a hell of a play the other night to extend that series, made the unbelievable pass to – I forget who the heck it was. He's a nice player, was, dude. He was in double overtime. He is a really nice player, really good guy. Uh, he lives uh, right in the neighborhood, really good guy. Uh, so I'm rooting for him. 
but yeah, I mean, there's more coming. I mean, whether it's Parisi, Dumba, I think they're going to end up buying out Dubnik. Don't think they're going to end up buying out Rask. But, but yeah, more is coming. This is only the beginning. And you think about just how crazy the last few days have been with the Brodine extension, with the Johansson acquisition and Stahl going to Buffalo, and then the Nick Bukestad trade. I had a nice conversation with Bukestad the other day, a one-on-one with Nick. I'll bring that to you on, on a future podcast. He says he's doing well. Now, I mean, he's got the chip, you know, on his shoulder, right? The, the cliched chip on his shoulder, contract year. You know, Pittsburgh pretty much said, you're done. We're giving you away. Like, we literally don't want you here, and we're trying to get a little bit of cap relief. So Nick has a lot to prove. So he claims he's as healthy as he's been in a while, but this was his second back surgery. That's always a slippery slope. But, yeah, I mean, more is coming, Judd. I mean, it's when, not if. More is coming when, when it comes to Bill Guerin changing the process. It, it kind of it, it feels like there's, like, you know, the level of resistance and even some fans and, you know, I – this shouldn't be complicated, really, at all, to me. Like this, this, this nucleus had a seven-year run, eight-year run, whatever it was, to make this happen. And now you look at the ages of guys on the roster. There's a lot of lot of threes and crooked numbers as ages, and so like this, this should be just a natural, accepted evolution of this franchise. And I think people should start to get excited about the Fialas and Kaprizovs being the ones that are the faces of this franchise. I, I, I welcome it personally, Doogie. 100%. You know me, Mr. Hockey, but I remember making the point when Mike Yo got fired. I said it at the time, and trust me, I've been wrong plenty, but at the time I said, Mike Yo, whatever you think of Mike, right? And, you know, he failed miserably in St. Louis in, in many ways, but I just feel like Mike maximized this roster, getting them to the second round of the playoffs. That core wasn't going any further. So you're right, Phil. I think Bill Guerin realizes that. I'm not even positive Bill likes just about anyone on the Maybe Fiala, maybe Kaprizov, but like if if he could trade Ryan Suter, he's got the no trade. But if he could trade Ryan Suter, I'm sure he would trade Ryan Suter, right? Like he wants to trade Zach Breezy, but Zach's open minded to going somewhere else. I just don't think Bill likes a lot of guys on this roster. So yeah. we'll just call it a short soup scoop session today, and uh, and direct people to the Scoop Podcast, Apple, Spotify, and ScoreNorth.com. So, and you can find Doogie as part of the Five Eyewitness News sports team. He's got ten minutes to figure out that internet for his interview with Richard Patino, so we'll let him take care of that. But he might want to go to a, a <laughs> coffee shop. How about that for an idea to figure it out? Uh, and there, there used to be one across the street, but that one's gone too. So How do coffee nice. shops close back then? Like that, I don't know. It's that a good coffee question. shop it was packed all the time. It, it closed pre-COVID. Like it, now, a, I totally get it. It's where all of us like did our initial contract discussions when we were about to leave our previous place for the. <laughs> for the I, just, place. I, I don't. I didn't think at that point in time pre-COVID chain coffee shops could close. <laughs> so uh, George Iloka, yeah, the Vikings taking advantage of being able to put that? old players on the practice squad. But I don't know. Like I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. Was it last year where they brought him in and it, it was it, it two years ago? Two years ago, it felt it felt like oh, he, here's your other starting safety next to Harrison Smith. He, just, he never played. I know. So what's the what's the value? Like if if he wasn't oh, good enough to now. play two years it's ago, total depth now because he only have two safeties. Yes, now. exactly right. That's exactly why. That's it. And and you know he he's I think he's what thirty now. So he, he could transition at some point in time into trying to coach under Mike or something like that. But, yeah, I, it's a total depth move now. But here's the one thing that's still surprising me, Phil Mackey, the cornerback depth. The cornerback depth as far as age goes. Like, I thought that some point in time here this week they might be like, you know what we should probably go do? Let's see if we can get a veteran corner. And, and in, in fact, 
The bad news on the injury report uh, from the first day of practice for the Colts on Wednesday, if you saw this, was Cameron Dantzler, who played, as we talked about, the most snaps of any Viking cornerback on Sunday, has a rib injury and did not practice. And, oh, by the way, Jeff Gladney, who only played nine defensive snaps in that entire game, now has turned up on the injury report with a knee problem, which I think actually goes back to the springtime. And I'm still convinced that's why he didn't play more Sunday. But he did practice, he did practice, he practiced. at least in part, yesterday. But I still think that's why he didn't play more on Sunday. Yeah. So is it a fair assumption, though, if Cam Dantzler wasn't practicing yesterday? We'll see. Like The injury report today, I think, is going to basically tell the story of Agreed. whether he's going to play on Sunday. Yep. But if he doesn't practice again, you're going to get your wish, which is a lot of Jeff Gladney. So you might get back-to-back weeks. You might see Cam Dantzler play all the snaps, and then we'll see about Jeff Gladney this week. Once you get past Jeff Gladney, if Cam Dantzler can't Chris play, then we have even further problems. Yeah, I think you got Chris Boyd now, right? Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're wondering about... Uh, Look, the level of experience and look, that's, that's going to be an issue. I could play 10 snaps on Sunday against your guy, <laughs> Phil Rivers, okay? Two picks, no tackles. That's disrespectful. That would hurt. Two picks, two picks, one PBU. That's disrespectful. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why you have to trash my guy, Philip Rivers. Somebody from, I think, Pro Football Focus or somewhere yesterday posted a video of, it was literally just entitled, what the hell was Philip Rivers doing on this play? <laughs> and he takes a snap. <laughs> he drops back. You know, he's got his like frantic Philip Rivers, like, you know, he's kind of looking around. And then he th- he Little throws like hand. Uncle Rico. Yeah, like he, totally he just does. Like, you know looks around kind of like, <laughs> throw a pigskin over them mountains. It's like <laughs> he kind of sidearm shot puts it. Yeah. And of course it's, you know, five yards short of where it probably should be. And a Jaguars defender just like jumps in front of it and picks it off. Do you so. know what he, he is now? He is an NFL quarterback circa 1978 playing in 2020. <laughs> he is. But he, he's always had a weird throwing motion, but it's so much more exaggerated no, now than it was a few years but I ago. Mean, like the sta- really but like the stats now are sort of pathetic and bad. Like he throws way too many picks. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's but hilarious. He'd be, but, but in 78, he'd be celebrated still. Yeah. Yeah, look at Philip Rivers hanging around. Um, ba-dum, ba-dum. Hey, before we wrap the show, one thing we really didn't dive much into, football. going back to breaking a Twins game down like it's football. What was your guys' level of surprise? Like we we you know we did a bunch of Randy Dobnak discussion yesterday, but I didn't think they were going to demote him to the minor leagues. I I thought that they would find somebody else. So it kind of surprised me. Like oh, like we definitely pinpointed the problems with him, but I didn't think that he was just going to get demoted to CHS Field. Your level of surprise. Oh, I was very surprised. Yeah. And I didn't see the the pregame Zoom, but it sounds like Rocco tried to say, well, it's, you know, there's only 10 days left and he's not really going to start and we really probably wouldn't start him. And if you thought he was still good, you wouldn't demote him. And Rocco knows that. I was really surprised um, personally because his story has been so good. I feel bad for him as a person. That being said, I love the move from the question, from the angle of the question yeah. I asked you a couple days back. Are you willing to hurt feelings? This hurts feelings. It does hurt feelings. I love this move because this is the type of move that you have to make, I think, to be a championship team. Some Somebody on Twitter named Randy Dobnak's mustache, who I ha- think has to be a member of Randy's family, Probably. was just chirping me like crazy yesterday. Because I, what I was saying is there's nothing complicated about this. It, it, it doesn't even have to be like an in-depth discussion. It's Randy Dobnak has been a great story to this point. I think he will continue to be a good story and valuable as a back-end rotation guy at some point, like a number four, number five starter, like maybe 2021, maybe in the playoffs. I don't know. But right now, he's struggling with command. 
He's got a limited ceiling anyways because he can't really miss bats. He's basically Nick Blackburn and, and Kyle Gibson. And the difference is, in 2020, with this front office and with some of the pitching assets they brought in, when a pitch-to-contact guy starts to get wobbly and the wheels start coming off, yep. this front office says, all right, we've seen enough. That's good. Like We know that this isn't going to be a long-term thing. Five, ten years ago, Randy Dobnak would have been sent out there start after start after start, just like the other pitch-to-contact guys. And so I think if, if you're frustrated about Randy Dobnak and, wow, they, you know, they did the dobber wrong, just know that he, he sort of, even though he wasn't, he wasn't a Terry Ryan guy, he's a, he's a Derek Falvey, Thad Levine guy, right. he comes from sort of that mantra of Twins pitching. He's sort of a relic from 10 years ago Twins pitching philosophy. And those are the pitchers that you got so mad at as fans year after year, pitch to contact. This dude is the definition of pitch to contact and pray that you know your shortstop can convert it out. So um, I think I, I I wasn't expecting him to get demoted, but it's probably the right move, and he can come back in 2021. The, thing that, cons- the, the thing that concerns me most, if, if I'm the Twins, and why I think this is a really smart move right now, is the wobbly part is the control. Like, if you can't, if you lose your control and you're Dobnik, you're useless. Yeah. Like, I could, like, if you're pitched to contact and you have your control and you start to get hit, I think we can talk about adjustments and Wes Johnson can take you to the bullpen and work with you. But when you're hitting two guys a, a game, I, I believe going into a start, two starts ago against the Cardinals, I don't think he had hit a batter all year. And I think in the last two starts, he's hit four guys. He has hit four guys. So now, yeah. so now, that's a dynamic that really concerns me because you're pitched to contact, which means basically pinpoint control, correct? Yeah. And now you can't control. Like, if I'm going to accept a guy um, losing his control completely, the radar gun probably says 98. Because then I'm like, okay, he lost his control, but he still throws damn hard. Yeah, he can still miss a bat. Yeah. Right? You know, one of the... And scare hitters. One of the, you know, I think one of the defenses of him yesterday as well, I mean, he had... He had a strikeout per inning yesterday. He had four strikeouts and four and a third, which is the type of strikeout rate that you'd be looking for long term, to which I would say, well, it's great that he had four strikeouts and four innings, but how many batters did he face to get those four strikeouts? Eight hits, two hit by pitches, a walk. Like he put 11 or 12 guys on base in four innings. Of course, you know, of course you're going you're gonna to run 50 batters through. Like you're going to strike a few of them out. So, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mean to pile on him. I think he's probably going to, be on a playoff roster because they're going to, they might need handcuffs to starting pitchers. A couple things you're, you're going to want a couple guys, even if they aren't in your rotation to be able to eat innings, especially if you get into the, the five game series, because you're not going to have the off days for your relievers to recover. Right. So if you, if you burn like three or four relievers in game one and one of them throws 30 pitches, like they might not be available for game two, and you're going to need bodies and guys that can eat a couple innings. So I still think he plays a role this season, but it's a no-brainer. With Oda Rizzi back, Rich, Rich Hill deserves more starts. You got, you got your five guys in your starting rotation now, and, and see what happens with those guys. All right, I think that's a wrap for us. Purple Daily We're time. done already? Well, we're going to dive into some Purple Daily here All that right. people can find on YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast for daily Vikings discussions and deep dives. And don't forget... Vikings Ventline video version. We are doing a live video edition of Vikings Ventline after each Vikings game this year, which you can find live on Score North Facebook and Twitter and also YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. 
And if you have any interest in being part of the show, we welcomed like seven or eight people, fans, into the show last week. You can email vikingsventline at gmail.com, and uh, we'll uh, look to send you the invite. We might not. It depends on how many people. We might not be able to send everyone the invite every week, but keep hitting us up if we didn't send you the invite, and we can make it happen. So that's a wrap for this episode of Mackie and Judd. We'll see you for Action Movie Rewind, Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow. Ba-da-da-da. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.